Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical. Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. He goes jump, kick, clap. Kiki, no, that's Kiki. Do you love me? Jump, click. Are you riding? So you'll never ever leave from beside me. I can also, as of recently, floss. That was a great intro. Hello, <laughs> welcome back. It's great to be back. I am so happy. I am boiling. What's the theme today? So this week's theme is hashtag comedy goals. Comedy goals. Mm. Shall we give people a little bit of a summary of what's coming up in today's show? This week, we're going to be talking to comedy actor Ethan Lawrence. He's in Bad Education. He is in Bad Education alongside Jack Whitehall. And he's also currently in our Comedy Central series called Modern Horror Stories, which is all about the terrible things that millennials go through, like online dating. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be talking about the millennial series he's been in. Um, we'll be touching on him in Bad Education. He also talks about any top tips that he would give for anyone who wants to be an actor. And um, also the struggles of being a millennial and an actor. Yeah. So stay tuned. Yeah, it's a good one. You just seem like you're absolutely not ready. Well, the cushion that's behind me is kind of not not 100% comfortable. I'd say it's like 60% comfortable. <laughs> what people won't hear or see, actually, because this is obviously a podcast, is you um, adjusting yourself for the last hour on yep. my sofa. Sure. While me and our lovely guests here at Eat Cocktail Sauce just uh, drink. Spoiler. Oh, it's a guest. I am already intrigued, excited, astounded. I'm moderately excited about this guest. I think we'll go with that. We have the lovely Ethan Lawrence. Welcome, Ethan. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'd say for anyone who recognises Ethan's voice, it's probably from Bad Education with Jack Whitehall. Uh, that's a good chat. probably one of your, your biggest. I love Bad Education. <laughs> I know you do. Amy's oh, a... this has just been revealed now and that is a sad Adopted, like you're just giving me. <laughs> Amy's a fan. You know, I like you. You're moderately okay I in like my you. eyes. I believe the word you used was moderately excited. I'm trying to play it cool, aren't I? You're a cool guy. You've been in bad education. You're currently in a series on Comedy Central online called Modern Horror Stories, which I kind of think is slightly like the online version of us. Um, um, modern horror stories is highlighting all the ridiculous things that millennials do. Ethan, you might want to explain a little bit more, but the, my favourite one is Millennialopoly, which is basically <laughs> the game that nobody wins. The millennial version of Monopoly, where no one can afford to buy a house. It's very clever, because I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, I guess sort of ironic that we met during that, didn't we, Sophie? Yeah, we, we were did. Um, just doing Alan Ritten impressions at each other for the four days I was on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yes, we were. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then when you told me that, uh, oh, I've got, I've got a podcast, it's about millennial stuff, and I was like, oh, wait a second, what, a, what an appropriate job you have yeah. for this. Did you think that I was like the most millennial obsessed millennial ever? It, it comes off sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're always on, that's the thing, like, you know, just always always thinking about podcast ideas. Always thinking about <laughs> podcasts, always thinking about millennials, always thinking about avocados. I was just about to say avocados, it's so weird you knew that. Yeah, well, it's a millennial. <laughs> it's always like it's a trope. <laughs> no, but that's so funny. I love that sketch. 
sketch so much. It talks about all the ridiculous things that we do, all the weddings that people have to go to. Not that you're bitter or anything. No, I'm not bitter. You've got some, like a faraway look in your eye. And that's, fine. That's if you're fine. Tears of money streaming down the face. <laughs> Hard life I lead. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's modern horror stories. That's, um, I think it's maybe 11 or 12 sketches. I'm not sure. Something along those lines. Something and nice. each of them tackles a different part of sort of millennial culture, which um, lots of millennials watch Comedy Central, so I'm sure they're going to get a kick out of it. Yeah. But looking it's at really it going, funny. Oh, yeah. But crying into their bed sick. <laughs> well, I actually watched that, and I was talking to Sophie about it earlier, and I watched The Boyfriend Crofts. Yes. Uh, you play a fantastic, very Crufts-esque judge, commentator kind of person in that. You wouldn't believe the amount of research that went into that. <laughs> I How saw, did you research it? I watched Crufts for, for like three hours. <laughs> I just sat there watching it. I was just trying to get the cadence of the judge voice right. Your judge voice is bang on. Can you give us a, just a little bit now? Well, it's uh, sort of like this, very close to the mic. Uh, we have here uh, Fido, uh, who is a Chihuahua Shih Tzu cross, and he oh, he's he's done a poo. He's done, oh, that's, that's going to cost him. Oh, this has been a bad day. This has been a bad day for Fido. So <laughs> that was great. You assume this like your whole people can't see this, but your whole body took on the role of this intense hunched commentator. Yeah. Well, it's great. As an actor, no, no, I'm not going down that route. <laughs> I watched loads of crafts as well because I had to try and find the location for filming there. And um, it's a big show. People love it. It's in like the Excel. They have glittery curtains with little lights in them. It's really exciting. Have you been? No. <laughs> it always looks really exciting. I've watched a lot of it like in passing, I promise, on TV. And um, yeah, wasn't there like, there was a news story about crafts? Like, was it last year where there was like, <laughs> did you see the dog? And it got made into like a millennial meme where it was this dog going mental. They were like, come here. And it like runs after all the treats, eats the sausages oh, yeah. out of the basket, it like leaps around and it was like, um, everybody else at life, me in life. Yeah. It's just like complete chaos. But yeah, it's so true. Even crafts <laughs> became millennial. Yeah. Well, I guess that dog wasn't quite ready for prime time. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was sort of ironic because when I was auditioning for Modern Horror Stories, that was my audition piece playing that judge. And um, it created an interesting quandary for me because I am terrified of dogs. Are you? Absolutely terrified. Aww. Have been all my life. And like, you know, it's, it's one of those irrational fears that you get because uh, I'm I, like it's from birth I've just I've never got along with them which puts me I've got along with them like they just disagree <laughs> with your opinions <laughs> The shih tzus, man. They don't agree. <laughs> but that puts me in, in a really small minority of people who don't lose their goddamn minds when they encounter a puppy. That's you, Sophie. No. No. <laughs> no. 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 I keep but, my mind. <laughs> far away looks coming again. People are probably wondering if they've not watched it, how on earth Crofts relates to millennials. But basically the whole premise of the sketch is that it's like a, a girl bringing her boyfriend home to meet the parents and then his mind wanders and he imagines what it would be like if the, the whole scenario was like during crofts and you get put through your tests. It's interesting that you read it that way because I didn't see it as an imagination thing. Interesting. Maybe it is. Maybe Who knows? it is. Maybe it isn't. Spookums. Maybe, Maybe we should watch yes. and then decide. And let us know by sending us a postcard. <laughs> We don't have a P.O. box. We said this is the last episode. You still episode. don't have a P.O. box? No. One job that I had. I wrote the minutes, you took the action. I've done so much fan art and I've got nowhere to send <laughs> it. And we reveal it today. <laughs> no. It's wheeling an easel. I had to drag that all the way from Stratford. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, the modern horror stories is awesome. Like, you talk about 
We've got Boyfriend Crafts. There's the Millennial... What's the word? Millennialopoly. <laughs> Millennialopoly is so hard to say. Um, I play it. You've had a hard time. <laughs> yeah, all millennials have a hard time. That's quite got yeah. quite deep. I mean, the thing is, the reason why it worked, that sketch works so well is that it, not only is it a board game that no one can win, but it also brought back many memories of actually playing Monopoly. How are you in Monopoly? Are you get really competitive? Are you really into it? Well, right, okay, we're going to delve back into a bit of a bit, bit, bit of past life Childhood. here. Come on, you don't like back dogs. In, but, uh, back in the day, back in the day, my dad is a very competitive man, and I remember him whooping my ass at Monopoly, aged five. Five? Aged five. Five? He was teaching you how to monopolise at the age of five. He wasn't trying to teach me anything. It was, <laughs> if the only lesson he was teaching me there is that life is rubbish and everyone hates you. Oh. <laughs> and he didn't make you be the iron, did he? You know, the worst part. I really uh, like the iron. Weirdly, I was the duck. No, <laughs> um, no I was, uh, I, that instilled in me. I had to learn how to win, basically. I had Ooh. to learn how to win. So when it comes to Monopoly, I take no prisoners in no quarter. Oh, damn. He got serious. I believe that. I can see it in his eyes. Okay. It has to be done. Yeah. I've never played Monopoly. Ever? Really? Like, a full game. I find it quite boring. No, no. Don't say that. I can see it sometimes because like when games go on for like 80 hours or more. When people are caught in deadlocks, one of them has half of the things and have hotels built, built up and it's just like, you're just waiting for two hotel stops on a double and then that's it, <laughs> game over. But it just won't happen. Everyone's going to jail deliberately. <laughs> Yeah. I play really dirtily at Monopoly. So whenever it gets to the point when I'm like, oh, could be winning, could be losing, and I'm like, I can't win this on my own, I start giving away properties, like giving them away to the other players to take down the one person who's like monopolizing the world so everybody gangs up on them and destroys them. And then once that happens, you have no properties. No more prospects in life. Yeah, yes, I play really dirty. Game. I ensure that everyone else wins. <laughs> this isn't even Monopoly anymore. You'd be so really good, good at Millennial. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else wins, I lose everything. So yeah, you mentioned obviously the modern horror stories, very exciting. But what else have you kind of been up to? So we're going to touch a bit more on bad education, obviously of a little course. bit later, obviously. What has been going on for you recently? Like what have you got in the pipeline at the moment? Uh, well, it's, um, it's it's this has been one of those years where like seeds that I've planted like years back have started to take root and grow. So for example, uh, a film that I was in back in the distant past of um, December 2015 uh, was released this year. Um, <laughs> How to Talk to Girls at Parties, it's called. And this uh, based on a Neil Gaiman short story, and it's uh, it's very kooky, very odd. Yeah. Uh, which will be released on DVD. I think it's on Amazon Prime, maybe. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's just for the States. I'm very confused. No one's helping me. <laughs> it's somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's somewhere in the world. People should find it. Go. <laughs> no, off you go. Love testing. Let, let us know where it is. Because we're <laughs> 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 on some place, God. Yeah. Send it to the longest in PR docs. Yeah, there'll be one by the end of the week. So. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did uh, a show called Afterlife with uh, Ricky Gervais that's coming out on Netflix at some point, uh, which is all very exciting. But like I said, this has been sort of like a, this, is, this has been a year where things that I've done in the past are starting to come out mm. as opposed to it being a, a you know a massive year of creativity. That must be so weird. It is. So I mean, then wait for all that time and then finally be like, oh yeah, that thing that I did years ago. <laughs> it was especially weird for How to Talk to Girls at Parties because if you count my involvement with the show from my first audition, from first audition to cinema release, it took three years and two months. Wow. Oh, damn. Which is a long ass time. It sounds like a long ass time, yeah. To the point where like, you, you know, the previews start happening and you go to watch it and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, we Nothing. all went, we went to Sheffield. Yeah. <laughs> when you, so when you actually start filming something like that, how long did it take? 
Uh, so that, that film took five weeks, I think. It was a really fast turnaround because it was like micro budget. Wow. Uh, but like done sort of almost very, very guerrilla style. Like we use lots of like Super 8 cameras, like, you know, the old sort of hand cranky mm. ones, yeah. which is really cool. And then because it's set in the 70s, so we sort of went for that kind of deliberate, sketchy, grainy look on it. So what's it like? Are you allowed to tell us a little bit about what it's about for people listening? I can give you a, a brief synop. Ooh. Uh, short for synopsis. Oh, which really? just say, saves me time. Thank you. Um, so that. Basically, the uh, best way I can describe it is punks versus aliens. It's set in late 70s Croydon around the sort of like the burst of the uh, of the punk scene, especially um, South London punks like The Damned and things like that. And it uh, revolves around the story of three three young tearaways, one of which is played by me. Yeah. And um, we go to a punk show, try to find the after party and accidentally stumble on a colony of aliens living in plain sight in a house. I hate when that happens. I won't say anymore not to give, not to give too much away because this is one of those films that you just, it's very strange yeah. and uh, very sexually explicit in points. Oh, hello. Um, <laughs> alien related? Are you allowed to say that? That's in the title. We'll just have to watch. Uh, lots of girls at parties. It's got aliens in it and sex also. Oh, great. That's what I want. To, to bring it back around to uh, millennials, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even though it's set uh, before millennials, it does sort of touch on the idea of sort of like young folk attempting to find their way through like the social mores of life. In this case, a sort of a, an extended metaphor of feeling out of place by meeting actual aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, I like it. And especially with uh, the misfits of um, of the punk era, this is this is probably the one job where I had the most preparatory reading to do. <laughs> like, I was sent like reams of notes. Really? <laughs> Did you have to read, was it on punks or aliens? Uh, punks, just punks. <laughs> <Yeah. just funny. laughs> um, I suppose because they were like the director John Cameron Mitchell. He's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But he's he's an American guy and very much sort of a uh, very very kooky himself. He was very intent on making sure that we knew as much about punk lifestyle as we could but nothing really about the aliens ah interesting so we were sort of kept deliberately in the dark so all the arcane stuff that was going on all the symbolism and everything yeah. like that it was we real was, yeah we were almost experiencing <laughs> it for the first time that's so cool there's a scene fairly early on when we enter the house for the first time and there's this ballroom and we meet all of the different colonies of aliens just floating around and it's it's some kind of mad mix between like a circus and like a freak show it's, it's, it's just visually like wow oh cool and I remember because again we hadn't seen the setup for this we were kept outside so when we rounded the corner the reactions you see are pretty much genuine wow there's, there's gymnasts and <laughs> yeah. people screaming it's very strange yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sounds like Dalston gymnasts yeah. people screaming yeah I mean I, I walked six minutes from Dalston Kingston yeah. Station to here and um, it put me in mind of that sort of house of <laughs> we wanted to get you in the right mood for, for the podcast and really immerse yourself in the film it's like a secret cinema yeah yeah secret cinema speaking of secret cinema oh would you ever do something like a secret cinema as an actor? What, what is that? Okay, oh God. <laughs> He's not millennial enough to get him off the podcast. Yeah, no. no, so secret cinema is um, it's really interesting. So it's an organisation that kind of takes films like Back to the Future, they've done Grand Budapest Hotel, the Star Wars Cantina Bar, they did Moulin Rouge, yep. which I think both of us went to. I went to. Yeah. I'd never <laughs> seen Moulin Rouge until I went to the secret cinema and it, I loved it. Yeah. I know I don't watch films, but it was great. It was awesome. And what they do is they basically bring the world of the film to life. So like right. Moulin Rouge, they create the streets of Gepari and they bring actors in and they kind of like act out songs and things and everyone gets given a character 
before you go and you dress and act as your character and then they play the movie mm. as if it's come to life. Mm. Um, and I just, a few weeks or so ago, went to the Romeo and Juliet one that they just did, Secret Cinema, and it was amazing. I think that the Milan Rouge Secret Cinema is the best night I've ever had. God, that is such a statement. I know, That's right? high praise indeed. Can you imagine yeah. if I'd have seen the film before I went and I would have loved it like even more? I was singing. I was like, up on stage, yeah. unpaid actor. But it's like, it's kind of like an immersive, immersive sort of like film theatre experience. Very millennial. Very millennial following. In the Romeo and Juliet one, everyone was obviously Montague Capulet. And um, you had to go in Hawaiian shirts and like temporary tattoos and like high socks. And you genuinely just felt like you were at like Citadel Festival. You were everyone, there anyway. Um, no, and it was, yeah, everyone was on like a picnic blanket as if it was a festival, which is, I loved it so much, but it's also the most millennial take on Romeo and Juliet I've ever seen. <laughs> Perfect. Even more millennial than Romeo plus Juliet, the, the Baz Luhrmann 1990s Leonardo DiCaprio. That, 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 that was the film. That was the actual one they went for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one they went for. The good old Hawaiian shirted Venice beach vibe. Sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. It's great. You're shaking your head. You haven't seen it, have you? <laughs> no, but this is a thing. Like, Sophie hasn't seen anything in the world. So, apart yeah. from... Not a single thing. No, apart from now Moulin Rouge. Thanks yeah. to Secret Cinema. So, <laughs> thank you, Secret Cinema. Thank you for You've made her cultured. <laughs> yeah. But that's the parting point. Mm. Not culture, Moulin Rouge culture. <laughs> that's yeah. the... I have to watch films yeah. in parts because I always fall asleep. And I always fall asleep. I've started watching Line of Duty on, on uh, Netflix. I don't I, know if you've seen it. Um, let's be honest. Have you seen five minutes and you fell asleep? No, 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 no. So what keeps happening is I keep watching like the first 45 minutes and then I always fall asleep at the last 15 minutes. And that's where like the act, like something really happens. Like that's like that shit's about to hit the fan. Oh, I God. always fall asleep. And then the next day I have to rewind it and watch that bit again. And then I watch another 45 minutes. I fall asleep. It's just a routine. It just happens. It must be really tough for you. Netflix and chill literally is Netflix and chill. You're Netflix and sleep. That's what you are, Netflix and sleep. Netflix and nap. <laughs> I'm a cross between a baby and a grandma. I am. Um, oh, that's a combination that no one should ever say. Well, I need a nap a lot. A lot. And, uh, you know, old people kind of sleep on their sofas. That's true. Babies take themselves off to their cot and have a little nap. Take themselves off to their cots. That's what I do. Advanced. <laughs> the babies that Sophie's How met. How long did you sleep in a car? <laughs> no, speaking of, speaking of millennial, obviously, like, you've been a big part of these kind of millennial sketches. Your films are all kind of focused around sort of millennial life. In your own life, in your day-to-day -day life, friend life, have you come across these kind of millennial struggles that Sophie mentioned of missing the last 15 minutes of Netflix? I still live at home because uh, mm -hmm. I can't afford a flat. Uh, yes. So that's, that's quite millennial, isn't it? That is very millennial. <laughs> very millennial. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's probably the big one. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's tough because, like, obviously I try to sort of, like, maintain a social media presence, but I'm just, I'm so tired of memes, guys. Mm. I'm so tired. I think we're going to say I'm so tired now. I was like, me too. This is what I thought. <laughs> Yeah, you fell asleep during the podcast and we're talking now. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you've missed two hours, but it's fun. <laughs> we were just chatting the breeze off. Oh. <laughs> But what about those memes? <laughs> what about those memes, man, right? Yeah, but I think you're right. Memes are like gifts. Are gifts on the way? You use a lot of gifts, so I'm not talking about you. Oh, I like gifts on a WhatsApp message. I would never like post a gift. You post them on the dating apps. We talked about this before in our first episode of this new season. Yeah, but only for you. I don't know. I've never been on the apps in my life. There's a couple, but... You know, the problem is that, the, the, for me at least, they're, they're pounded into the dirt just by dint of sheer repetition. My particular bug there at the minute, and this is, right, this is... You can't 
I'm, serious. I'm very angry now. He's wagging his fingers. <laughs> he is wagging very seriously. So here's the thing. Okay. I try to be funny on social media sometimes. Like, you know, I have a thing that I do called Weird Train Behaviour Bingo, where I, if I'm on a train, I'll probably be doing it later when I go home this evening, where I just, like, you know, narrate what's happening on a train and sort of make it out to be, like, this overly dramatic thing. Amazing. I'm always looking for that viral tweet. I'm always looking there. The most successful tweet I've had this year was a meme template. So it was something that I didn't even write properly, and yeah, it is my most popular tweet this year. What is it? It was that one, you might remember this one, where it was something along the lines of, where do you live, such and such, where do you live, such and such, slightly more specific, no, but where do you live though, and then something completely generic. So the option I use, where do you live, Malden, where's that near, Chelmsford, where's that near, Essex, where's that, I come from Sugar Hut. (laughs) That was was the tweet. Amy, Amy tweeted you she's one of the yes. many <laughs> I was one of the fans yeah, so, yeah. no but speaking of fans seamless link I'm going to segue this podcast brought to you by Segway yeah. <laughs> seriously disclaimer not sponsored by Segway so <laughs> just to get that in there I actually applied once to be a Segway instructor okay yeah. this, let's dig down into that yeah, yeah. we should talk about it <laughs> genuinely I applied to be so I went on um, it was at Alexandra Palace they have like oh. those Segway days you can do where you go like off myself road it's not it's a path around the park yeah. as if it's like a huge kind of safari trek around somewhere and um no i was on this segway kind of thinking yeah this like 10 miles an hour speed the wind through my hair i'm into this and i decided on the spot then that to earn some extra money in my spare time i would apply to be a segway instructor turns out i didn't get it because i don't know anything about segways apart from 15 minutes at alexandra palace oh uh, do you need to have a license yeah weird weird that <laughs> Very, very odd. And I was like, could you sponsor me, please, to learn Segway? And they were like, we don't teach Segway, I'm afraid. You're just naturally talented at Segway. We haven't got it. And it turns out I didn't have it, so. I feel like that that sentence wasn't true. Mm. I feel like you can learn to be good at being on a Segway. Thank you. Do you remember when Segways were like a really big thing for like a minute? The minute that Ethan is talking about, I think you just happened to be at Alexander Palace at Uh, that minute. And in that moment, it was was trending. But then it went the way of the Healy, unfortunately. Oh, I love the Heelys. I never had them, but they look so fun. I had a Heely, but it was like you had to like actually press the button to get the wheel to come out. It didn't, you know, you see kids and they're just like, so you had to like crouch down. Unless I didn't really know how to use them because I was more into rollerblades. I was about to say, are you sure they were Heelys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a train with some wheels on it. (laughs) Just stood on a skateboard. No, joking aside. um, So I wouldn't say, and I mean this in the nicest Mm. possible way. I'm not a massive fan. I just really like it. Oh, what, well, like what? Segways. Oh. <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I do like Bad Education. So I, yeah, I've seen it. Like, saw, saw you in the movie. You were great. Thank you. Very exciting. But yeah, Sophie, I was chatting to Sophie about this earlier. So obviously I've seen it. There, there are a couple of moments in Bad Education. So it'd be good to talk to you about. Because obviously for people who don't know what Bad Education is, would you like to give them a little bit of a synopsis? Or synops, uh, as a, you say. A, a, a synop, as we say in the yeah. in the biz, which is short for business, which I say to so it's the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, so Bad Education, I think, started in, um, in 2012. It was my first ever acting job. Was it? I was, uh, I was plucked out, plucked out of nowhere, out of obscurity. What? That's the because like when people like say oh, like ask for advice or things like that, I'm sort of like, uh be very lucky. Are you studying acting? So I was I was at university at the time getting my um, completely useless arts degree. <laughs> um, uh, it was during my first year, as a matter of fact, and um, I was on I was on Spotlight, which is the uh, and that's another bit of advice for anybody young actors: get yourself on Spotlight because this could happen to you. What is Spotlight? Just people if they are interested. So it's like a casting website. So you put, um, you pay a fee, put your name up, list your skills, list your act, uh, your accents and things like that. And if you're very lucky and they're very desperate, they <laughs> might cast you in a record breaking BBC Three sitcom. No. It's a, but it's wow. not, isn't it now on Netflix as well? Uh, yeah, it, it moves amazing. it moves around all over the place. It's like, <laughs> That's the truth. I'm surprised in a minute. In a minute. Because I sort of look at it and I'm like, oh look, it's on Comedy Central. Oh look, it's on Netflix. It's all over the place. Aww. It's um, yeah, because uh, pe- people took. To it but yeah the um and i think the reason for that is it's it's about a school it's about school life um jack who uh, co-wrote it with um a uh, brilliant writer freddie cyborn uh jack whitehall jack whitehall yeah, sorry jack j dog i call him but um but no um it, they went into uh into schools and like spoke to kids about patois there's a great story that they've got where they were just like standing at the front of the class and just encourage kids to hurl abuse at them <laughs> so when when the thing got written it's you know it's very uh, to use a phrase i don't like that much it's full of banter oh banter wagon yeah <laughs> um, yeah, yeah yeah and uh, so this the the plot itself usually revolves around um, uh, Jack White, who plays uh, Alfie, who's a history teacher, and his form, uh, Form K, made up of uh, misfits and ne'er-do-wells um, from the wrong side of the track. So, uh, And my role in that is as Joe, the helpless, put-upon, bullied boy. Because, you know, oh... Poor Joe. I say but <laughs> Joe has a proper bromance with Alfie Wickers, I would say. Yes. You know, the subtext is always there that, like, you know, Alfie himself um, didn't have such a great time in school either, so they sort of sort of bond over that but Aww. he's very much taken advantage of not in that way the like you know hijinks into it's usually joe
Joe that bears the brunt of of all sorts of things like that. And um, ended up running for um, for three seasons and a film. And uh, yeah, it was it was my big break, and it's still it, you know it's still even now like you know we uh, the film came out I think in the August of 2015, which was you know obviously a long time ago now. I mean, we're in well, I don't know when this is coming out. 2024. Oh, how many seasons are we going for? Yeah, baby. So yeah, but um, I mean, this that was three years ago now, and still like you know it's it really captures the it really, I guess it just captured the zeitgeist of the time because um there wasn't really anything like it sort of around then ever since the Beano. <laughs> like <laughs> just that sort of, sort of slapstick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, almost cartoon level hijinks. Yeah, yeah. But obviously with a filthy, filthy mouth. Filthy filter. <gasps> I like a filthy filter. What was it like going from the kind of a TV series to a movie? The the big screeners. Yeah, how they different make quality. Was that? Well, it was it was so weird because it it wasn't that different in terms of how we did it. We had the same director on the film as we had on the second series, so you know we knew how he works. Elliot Hegarty is his name. He's brilliant you should go check out his work if you can yeah so he took us through the second series and also did the film so it felt a lot like doing a series even though it was one full extended motion picture <laughs> which we shot in Cornwall as opposed to sort of like uh, Wimbledon Studios ah okay on location on location on, on location learning the terms <laughs> on location I like that yeah. and uh, yeah I mean I, it was weird because I always used to um, yeah ever since I was young me and my family used to go to Cornwall for, for holidays and since then I've been I've been to Cornwall on a non amount of times for work now. Like, was that last... your diva request? Were you like, I'll only do the movie if it's in Cornwall. It's my best memories. Well, <laughs> and no dogs. Peek behind the curtain. It was initially supposed to be on a party island. Cornwall is always second to party islands. <laughs> It's the Ibiza of England, isn't it? But in a way, I think that's good because that sort of separated it from um, the Inbetweeners films. You know, it kept it distinct yeah. from those because otherwise I feel like it could have felt like a retread of that. But instead, it sort of has it's very much its own identity because there's pirates and smugglers and yeah. all sorts of daring do. Blood. I mean, there's a bit in it when you get fake, fake, fake stabbed in the hand what do you by mean fake? Jack. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't, I didn't want to bring it up. Do you remember earlier I did my cross impression? Oh, God. It's all real. Um, no, but you... So Jack, Jack Whitehall playing, obviously, Alfie's character, quite dramatically stabs you in the hand while he's trying to uh, do that classic pirate trick for any pirates out there who already know this, sorry, mm. of where you put your uh, knife in between... Mm. This is going to be the worst way to explain it ever. Your knife in between your fingers really quickly on a table. Yeah. I believe the Americans call it five finger fillet. Is that what it's called? Yeah, or five finger fillet if you're British. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like a McDonald's special, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's some type, some type of wrestler sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very different story. Uh, but yes, you you get very dramatically stabbed in the hand and then set on fire. Don't forget that. And bit. then your whole arm gets set on fire. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? It, <laughs> first of all, I do love an escalation of a scene, don't you? Getting set on fire is is funnily enough more difficult than you'd think. <laughs> Um, so how it works is um, you get a, a sort of an inflammable gel pack on your arm that's then filled with like um, small explosives. What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, that's then connect. Uh, that's then slathered in more inflammable gel. And the best way I can describe that, you know, when you have like a mint, like a menthol mint, mm-hmm. and then when you breathe, like your breath feels cold. Yes, it's like that, but your arm. But then that then is put on top of um, of the pack, which is then put under my costume, and then that's connected to a bunch of wires, which is connected to a technician sitting in the corner, and then at the given signal, which is when I sort of fling my arm back into Ian Glenn's lit c- lit cigar. The whole thing goes up. Oh my god! And uh, were you terrified? <laughs> well, the stuntman said, to, like, we obviously had to have a long briefing about it, and he said to me, "Right, rule number one: when you're on fire, don't panic." 
Um, oh my okay. god. But, you know, there, there was a reason behind that. Like, he says your body's natural reaction is to, if you're on fire, like, pat it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're covered in inflammable gel and you pat it, your other hand's on fire now. Oh, my God. Oh, God. And anything else you touch is also on fire. Oh my God. So everything is on fire. Yeah. So we're trying to avoid that if we can. Oh, <laughs> so my God. I, had to, I think it, in the end, I mean, it felt like forever being on fire. But, like, um, <laughs> it, like was but it, was, it was maybe about seven or eight seconds. And then I have to run into a door and fall flat on my back while stopping myself from catching fire to the rest of my costume, at which point <laughs> Elliot yells, cut, and um, just a team of heavies just jump on me with damp towels. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds like a very different experience. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I've made a kind of habit now of sort of doing all my own stunts if I can. And so, bad education alone, I've been set on fire, I've jumped off a five metre diving board. I remember uh, that. You. I was going to ask you about that. So you did that scene... You and Jack Whitehall in very small boxer speedos. Yeah. Pretty much naked. In the Hammersmith Lido. Is that actually you jumping off that board? Yeah. <gasps> oh I do all my own stunts. Was that terrifying? Are you afraid of heights? So what was that like? I have the opposite of a fear of heights. I love heights. Oh, what? I love, that being, I, love, I love being up in high places. You like being I love, set on fire. I love like... climbing. I love jumping off of things. Hey. Yeah. Terrified of dogs, though. I would hate to do that. I would hate to dive off. Was it really high? Uh, five metres. That's pretty high. But also, what I was going to ask is, what was it like being up there with a half-naked Jack Whitehall? Well, you know, work's work, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's different every day. But no, it's, I mean, I've always, like, you know, been a, been a bit of a chubby funster, as I like to call myself. <laughs> so, like, you know, but I'm, I'm very comfortable with being semi-nude. Both in my work on television and in my stand-up, I'm more often than not semi-naked. Are you? Which is, um, which is you know, I think it's a good way to be. Yeah, love that. Uh, Body positivity, we're all about that. And it's how God intended it. Exactly. And, you know, I don't yeah. mind it being, I don't mind it being played for laughs either. Like, um, one of the pilots that I did for BBC Three as well was called Rude Boys, in which I had to get my little bum out. In what context? <laughs> I had to. But the thing about that, when you, because, like, obviously there are qualms about, because um, obviously if your bum's out, presumably your, your Johnson's out also. Yeah. But in order to preserve your modesty, they have what they call modesty pouches which oh are like gosh. sort of it's like a skin coloured thong with like a, a little bag <laughs> to, put your, to put your business in a bag? yeah like, a, little, like, a, a bag. like a little bag like a little it's like a bum bag like okay, a okay, do you remember bags. back in primary school when you used to have like those little like little sacks that you used to yes. play catch with Hacky, hacky what is it called hacky like, sacks like a hacky sack it's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. one of those has had the top ripped off and removed all the oh ball bearings and then you just put it in that you're still talking about the bag, right? We're talking about the bag. <laughs> but the thing is, these things, they're not exactly made to fit. So this thing was really, really tight. Not the yeah, bag itself. Yeah. Not, not the bag itself. Specifically the, requested. The, the thong. The thong part of okay. it. Now, the issue was that I had to start the scene. I'm doing... Why am I doing an action on the podcast? I had to start well, no, no, the scene. You can describe the action. People can live through yeah, our And we words. can see the action. Of course. Yeah. This is just for you guys. So I had to start the scene sort of like, you know, sort of squatting down. Cupping. And then um, holding... Uh, I won't spoil it. That's plot. <laughs> um, uh, holding a thing. And then I stand up and the shot from behind me reveals I am naked from the waist down. Wow. And the crowd of people in front of me then just sort of looking down to sort of like... 
oh, look at that. He's, he's only gone and got his bloody willy out. Yeah, that's a <laughs> lot to experience. But the thing is, because it was so tight, when I was in the squat position, it felt like I was being trisected. It was so horrible. So I'm like squatting down and like they're, get, they're getting shots behind me and I'm like trying to sort of be like, yeah, this is fun, guys. We're having fun. We're having such a good day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy to be an actor. And I just hear from the other room, um, the director, Ben Gosling Fuller, who is the, the sweetest man, but also the most, the most, the biggest sadist of ever met goes could you bend down a little more darling and I'm like <laughs> no oh, <laughs> so I'm, oh I'm literally being cut in three at this point oh, and, just, and then I stand up and it's like just the relief that is a lot you're right <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> like I said I do all my own stunts uh, yeah. are there any stunts you really want to do if you've got your eyes set on like leaping off a building or I would love to do something like that because um, I've done small amounts of work with green screen which is always always mm. fun and in, uh, in a film one of the, th- the first film I ever did I was supposed to be like suspended from a gargoyle and the way that worked in a in a small warehouse in Wales oh, <laughs> I didn't see Wales being the end of that sentence was, that's um, where all the gargoyles are yeah? I was brought into this green room and um, I can't believe we got away with this um, so basically I had um, like a you know like the climbing apparatus that you have sort of oh, yeah, like all, this, all this strappy, strappy business mm-hmm. that's done underneath my costume with the hook mm-hmm. just poking out the back that's then attached to a rope and I am hoisted Ooh. six foot into the air oh, by hello. six burly Welsh men but yeah, I was hoisted into the into the sky by these six six strapping Welshmen and then that's uh, again with the biggest wedgie you've ever had in your entire oh life God. I wonder if actually looking back on this any of this was necessary yeah. <laughs> it's just all for fun again I'm having an existential crisis yes yeah. <laughs> is, yeah, is this what you imagine being life. an actor and <laughs> the glitz and glamour all the glamour <laughs> yeah. so, hang on is the gargoyle at any point in the air or are you literally like, oh no oh, it's, uh, oh. that's, that's all green screened in so it's, uh, it's all it's all done by computer wizardry magic it's magic it's magic it's like when I did um I did Doc Martin as well uh, at one point where I had to stand on the edge of a seawall threatening to jump off and it looks really dangerous but they just painted all the ropes out the many many ropes really <laughs> wow. the other, so they just painted it all out that's so cool I always think that when I'm watching something I'm like mm. they are going to fall the success or failure of a TV show or film is 90% in the edit and it really is like my oh. my job is such a small part of it really yeah oh. I just got to turn up and spout oh. bollocks like, <laughs> <laughs> and put them in bags yeah and put my bollocks in small hacky sacks how <laughs> How um, early on did you decide you wanted to be an actor? Uh, so quite early in life. Um, initially, when I was six, I had pretensions to being an author. Uh, I told my mother this. I was like, I am going to be an author. And she said to me, well, that's great, but you're probably going to have to get a real job to subsidise doing your, your authoring. And I said, great. Then when I turned 11 and experienced like drama at secondary school for the first time, I came back. I have decided I no longer want to be an author. <laughs> I'm going to be an actor. Yes! To which my mother said, okay, but you're going to have to get yourself a real job to subsidise. <laughs> but yeah, so from about 11. But then, like I said, I locked into it. I locked into it while I was still at university and still not really sure what I was going to do with my life. How old were you when the bad education stuff happened? I just turned 19. Um, so, you know, still had, like... Like I say, the, before I had the call, I know I what I was going to do. I was just going to yeah. finish my finish my degree and then just throw myself presumably into fringe theatre. And is comedy is comedy always been your thing? Yes, uh, comedy is something that's always always fascinated yeah. me. And like I, I was very lucky to be exposed very early to all the greats. Like I watched the young ones for the first time when I think I was about ten, mm-hmm. almost too young. Oh. <laughs> I knew you were an actor. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's when I like you know just introduced to Rick Mayo and all sorts of stuff oh. like that, Blackadder, and then I was like, right, yeah, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And yeah, I'm done. Okay, so far. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's did so well. It's awesome because, like you say, for your first break, obviously we've talked a bit about bad education, but the cast is amazing. You've got Matthew Horn, you've got Jack Whitehall, you've got like an array of people from Green Wing. Like, yeah. it's, it's amazing comic yeah. wise. It was really cool, especially from like the second series onward, where we started to like attract all these all these folks. Like we had Harry Enfield coming through, James Fleet from Vicar Dibley. Like you know, wow. Again, these are people that I like grown up with, and I'm like, oh, we're colleagues now. We're like, oh my god, I love oh you. my golly gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it must also be nice being in it with people that you went and studied with, because Paul Raymond, who's in Comedy Central series, who's in yes. an episode of Black Mirror. You went to uni with him, didn't you? Yes. Which was, was really nice really, to see. Really, You'd be like, really oh, reunited. Like, and it's it's quite funny as well because I posted up the picture from Boyfriend Cross because he played my other commentator in that and like all the people from the university were like what are you doing with Paul in that <laughs> I remember when yeah. you used to do improv together <laughs> it was odd but then this, this business is very small like you bump into the same people mm. all the time yeah, and it's yeah. always like oh hey how's, how's, how's it going it's great and yeah I love it it's, it's my favourite thing Oh, that makes me so happy that makes me happy that feels like a kind of nice nice note to end on it feels like an amazing note to end on you're doing great we talked about segues we talked about bad education we've talked talked about bulls and hacky sacks literally oh. <laughs> everything's done um, so as a, a final note for people maybe you can give us your one main piece of advice you have for young actors coming up and then maybe leave us with like what you've got coming out what people should check you out on social media wise for always sure thing well my piece of advice would be make yourself visible I mentioned Spotlight earlier if you're really truly interested in it get on that bring yourself to auditions write to everyone make yourself make yourself as visible as you can that being said as a sort of counter piece of advice if this isn't something that you really really want don't for the love of god do it (laughs) because it's long hours and a lot of downtime when you're not working Mm -hmm. and so lots of panic coming in so unless you really truly want it leave it alone but if it's something that you really want just throw yourself Mm -hmm. into it you've got to go either 100% or 0% it's great advice love that yeah and uh, as as for everything else um, watch Modern Horror Stories I believe it's available on the Comedy Central website and on YouTube and on Facebook and Instagram video which I did not know was a thing yeah yeah I don't either Sophie's all over (laughs) Um, that uh, so that's coming out watch Afterlife watch How to Talk to Girls of Parties when it comes out I will be screaming about it on my social media which is at Ethan D. Lawrence on Twitter at Ethan D. Lawrence on Instagram at Ethan D. Lawrence everywhere really uh, P.O. Box <laughs> he's more on it with the P.O. Box than us we're not there yet are we Amy? no next week is, oh no this week this week <laughs> we're not extending the deadline sorry I'm sorry but yeah seriously thank you so much we've um, had, had a great time thank you Ethan uh, thank you very much for having me it's been a pleasure Aww. oh yes sure, sure, pleasure If you enjoyed that and you want to hear more, then help us out and comment, rate, subscribe on iTunes and just let us know what you thought. And please, if you did like it, please help us out by commenting, rating or (laughs) subscribing. You can also listen via the ACAST website or on the app and you can find us at Podcast Goals on social media. So we're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. All of the socials. All of them. No, not all of them. Most of them. Three of them. (laughs) (laughs) But if you aren't barely any of these social channels, that's our way. So drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you guys. And we're looking forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Baby, come back. I'm going to keep it in. Can I do that again? I'll do that again. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.